Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have legendary makeup artist, Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown is a serial entrepreneur who just launched a makeup line and wellness brand. I talked to Bobby about the changes she's seen in the beauty industry. Being mistaken for Mr. My Prerogative, the other Bobby Brown, and using your insecurities to drive your career. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion. I know you saw me on draft night, looking cleaner than the Board of Health, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast, leave me a five-star rating. You know when you look down at your phone and the people that you know need advice, or they need inspiration, send them the column, send them the podcast. This is that good old-fashioned soul food. This week's theme is Contour and Conquer. When I found out this week's guest was going to be legendary makeup artist Bobby Brown, I had to brush up on my understanding on makeup and beauty before our interview. I wear makeup all of the time on television. J&J, NBA Countdown, but I had to admit, I don't know much about it. From what I gathered, there's a technique in contouring that minimizes flaws and enhances features you want to stand out. It isn't about looking like somebody else. It's about looking like your best self. My first thought when I learned about it, I can't front. I thought to myself, hmm, it will be dope if we as people can contour our lives. But the more I thought about it, that's something we can and should do more often. It's so easy to be hard on yourself. And many times we let our failures overshadow who we are and what we've accomplished. But we're human. The best way to apply contour to our shortcomings is to own it. Show what you've learned and how much you've grown. Do better and be better. Let your future actions to borrow a term from the makeup world, be the highlighter of your legacy. I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. I'm not afraid to have difficult conversations in order to have a better understanding of people and communities. I don't understand. I'm willing to contour my previous beliefs if they no longer suit my bigger goal of being the best Jalen I could possibly be. So I encourage everyone who's listening to access the blemishes in your day-to-day and go out there and contour and conquer your life our next guest popularized the natural clean no makeup makeup look but her expertise goes far beyond eyeshadow and lipstick bobby brown is a boss and she not only built a beauty empire value you ready for this at a billion dollars she's also now launching a wellness brand that incorporates her own holistic approach to health. Next up, please welcome Bobby Brown. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. As somebody that grew up with really bad skin, I can't wait to talk to my next guest. 
Our next guest is a powerhouse in the beauty industry. Bobby Brown is a professional makeup artist, best-selling author and entrepreneur, best known for her billion-dollar makeup line, Bobby Brown Cosmetics. Since leaving the company in 2016, however, she has launched her own lifestyle-inspired wellness line, Evolution 18, and a new makeup line called Jones Road. Please welcome Bobby Brown to the Renaissance uh, Man. Uh, so nice to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the support. And while we were setting up to do the show, you told me that you actually listened to the show. I do. And you're a fan of the program. I do. And I actually listen to it while I'm cleaning the kitchen after my kids have, you know, cooked and made dinner. So <laughs> it really gets me through those moments. But I, I, I'm such a fan. And I think how you're doing it is so epic that I asked my team on that my podcast to please listen because wow. I just think you guys are doing a fantastic job. Thank you very much. That means a lot to me. And growing up, listening to my mother play 33s and 45s on a component set, cleaning up on weekends, yeah. I understand. That's really when you focused, yeah. when you're cleaning up, right? You're not kidding. You know, and at least now we have something to do so we're not just cleaning up and aggravated that we're the only ones cleaning up. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, again, thank you for joining me. So where did you grow up? And how did you discover your passion for makeup? I grew up in Chicago, actually the suburbs of Chicago, a small town called Wilmette, went to Nutrier High School. And if you ask me about my high school years, I don't remember a ton. It was the 70s. It was, <laughs> it was, it was fun. I was not a student. You know, I actually <laughs> felt that I wasn't smart enough. I was bored to death in all the classes and, you know, I didn't get the greatest grades except when it was art or an amazing teacher or something that I thought was interesting. And my parents really thought that I would probably just get married and not really, you know, do anything. So I think I've proven to them differently, but, um, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my mother did the best thing. And I tell this story all the time where she sat me down and said, you got to go to college. And I said, but mom, I don't know what I want to do. She said, forget what you want to do. If today's your birthday, you can do anything you want in the world. What would you do? And I said, I want to play with makeup at Marshall Fields. Mm -hmm. She said, well, I'm sure there's a college. I found Emerson College in Boston. Mm -hmm. um, and I went there and I studied theatrical makeup and minored in photography, not knowing what I was going to do. And somehow it worked out. Incredible. So I was born in 1973. and You talked about being a child of the 70s. So growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, what was your childhood like? You know, in the beginning, it was pretty normal. My parents were married at 20 and 21, had three kids before they were 25, lived in, you know, a small little house, you know, and my dad was a lawyer going to work every day, my mom a homemaker. I mean, it was, you know, it was kind of boring, you know, but, but fine, loving and wonderful. And, you know, most of my inner struggles were more with me. I'm the oldest kid. And I, you know, as I said, I struggled in school. I'm five foot tall. I never felt that I was, you know, pretty enough, smart enough, any of those things. And those things kind of, 
you know, they could either hurt you or they could help you. It's given me the drive to, to say, basically, watch this. Mrs. Greenblatt, my third grade teacher, if you're listening to this podcast, I know you're not. Guess what? I did it anyways. She did it anyways. And yes, she's listening because we're highly ranked and rated. Everybody's listening and they're going to make sure they hear this episode. And the thing about overcoming that adversity, and we hear a lot of people now being more open about if that behavior as a child caused anxiety or depression. Like, how did you overcome those challenges and also keep your entrepreneurial spirit? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that I think has helped my success is I'm really naive. I'm really naive and I don't think something's not going to work out. I'm not afraid. And if it doesn't work out, I'll figure out another way or, or, or something else to do. I also, I, I think my drive came from watching my Papa Sam, who was a Cadillac dealer, you know, work on his business. You know, I'm five foot tall. I think he might have been five, two. I don't know. You know, the short <laughs> Jewish guy, tough talking guy that had, was friends with everybody. Any, any age, any race, any person, you know, he was friends with, you know, all the gangsters in Chicago, put it that way. And I just became very comfortable being around, you know, different people. And I think that just also gave me my drive. Like I could do this, you know, my, he came from Russia without a nickel in his pocket. Mm -hmm. And you know what? He accomplished something. And to this day, when I'm in these meetings, and I was on President Obama's, you know, council, and I remember looking up in the in the air and saying to Papa Sam, Papa, you know, mm. watch me, look what, you know, and I, 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 I'm so proud of where I've come because of what my grandfather did. That, wow, that's an amazing story. And I'm pretty sure, like you mentioned, he's looking down on you, extremely proud of everything you accomplished, but also, you talked about struggling in school and as somebody that was an honor roll student in school and was a Dean's list student in college, it was a part of my journey as an athlete. So for you getting into your field, how challenging was that for you to get other people to believe in your goals and the turbulence you finally had to overcome before you started feeling like you were chasing your actual goals? Well, I didn't know what my goals were at the time. You know, after college, I moved to New York and I thought, let me just freelance on the side to be a makeup artist. I didn't even know what that meant. And growing up in Chicago, you know, being the shortest, I had, you know, my self-esteem issues. You know, all my friends were cheerleaders and basketball players. And I was just the short, cute kid. And what do I do? I go into the fashion industry where everyone's got one name, you know, Linda, Christy, Naomi. And I'm at, you know, fashion weeks and on Vogue sets. I started to, you know, build a career for myself. And I really had to talk myself in to what mattered and being comfortable in my skin is what mattered because I couldn't compare myself to them. I would lose, you know, I'd go to the Met Ball. And if I worried about what I was wearing, instead of like, you know, being in an elevator with someone cool and interesting, like Common, right. you know, like, well, you know, like, hey, Common, I introduced myself. I'm just, you know, I find similarities probably in you and I, like, we can't believe that we are in this position where we could meet anyone, magic could happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many cool things out there. I, I know I'm not done. You know, I'm 
five years out of leaving the one company that I was, you know, very successful in. And I left not knowing what I was going to do. And to me, I see opportunities where other people see obstacles. One of my favorite MLK quotes, you just alluded to it, is basically faith is taking the first step without seeing the entire staircase. And in theory, that's what you chose to do. So what has that period been like for you? Well, I, you know, I'm someone that is very visual. I'm like, I'm very curious. I always have been. And I always think, what if? Like, what if? Wow, what if? Like, I wanted to do a palette of eyeshadows at Starbucks. So I found my way to Howard Schultz, who was the CEO at the time. And I said to him, how cool would it be to have a palette of eyeshadows in names of coffee, espresso, mm -hmm. cafe, and he thought it was the dumbest idea he ever heard. And I said, I thought it would have been so cool. And you know what? It would have been sitting at the counter. People get their espresso and they grab a wake up your eyes. So he didn't want it. It was okay. I still put it out in the market and sold it. So, you know, I just, I'm not afraid to try things and things don't work out and you feel bad for a second and I just process it and let it go. So. So what about the people that are listening right now and they say, oh, she's a makeup artist. I don't wear makeup. But the world, as you know, because you live, it extends beyond, right. beyond fashion, right? And I remember as a child, the thriller video was going to come on and us running home to watch the debut of MJ's video. And for me, it was the first time that I kind of saw the special effects makeup on MJ. And since the makeup application, you know, it's just so vast. Are you inspired by techniques or applications, trends outside of beauty? Well, I'm inspired by all of it. But honestly, if you, you know, the women that know me, I don't really like makeup. Okay. I like makeup that makes you look like you're not wearing any. And my new company is all about makeup that just makes you look better i mean i don't know if i'm allowed to swear but like hashtag that you are say whatever you want you want a my renaissance man my, with your chest. my hashtag is how not to look like shit and that's to me why i wear makeup it's why i think a lot of women wear makeup and you know i don't believe in trying to change your face i believe in enhancing it making you look not tired covering a blemish mm -hmm. i believe in beauty from the inside out health and wellness but even if you don't wear makeup, I am a serial entrepreneur. You know, I have a photo and TV studio. I have a hotel in Montclair, New Jersey called The George. Mm. Um, I have a wellness brand, Evolution 18, which sells at Walmart, which is, you know, affordable health care for all. Mm -hmm. And I've got Jones Road, a direct-to-consumer brand. Mm. And, you know, I don't know if that's the last thing I'm going to do either. And why? I don't have any hobbies. I don't play golf. Mm -hmm. I don't play tennis. Mm -hmm. I just love being part of a group of people creating things. And, you know, I love, I just love trying things. And you started working as a makeup professional in the eighties. And I, and I'm sure since then a lot has changed. So what has changed the most, you know, since you started out in this industry? Well, so much has changed and so much needs to change further. But what mm -hmm. has changed is social media. I mean, there's just, you don't need to do market research. You just ask the people on social media. 
You also don't need to do big advertisement. You don't need to be in a retailer. So, you know, and, and now being, you could be transparent. You can actually tell people why something's not launching or why something melted in root, the formula wasn't right, or you would never do that before. So there is much more, um, you know, like realness and, and just talking to people the way people like to be talked to. So that has changed a lot. And you talked about Howard Schultz and your potential connection with Starbucks, but at the time he didn't see it. Well, coincidentally, Rihanna launched her Fenty Beauty in 2017. And when it dropped, it received universal praise for offering 40 shade ranges. So what was it like watching something like this happen in professional beauty? Well, I'm thrilled, of course. And I was known when I was at the, the company for making foundations for all people, for people of color. I was honestly, it was so important to me that I would have meetings with my marketing team that would want to, you know, get rid of the low sellers. And I looked at the low sellers and the low sellers were all colored for my black friends. And I'm like, no, guys, take some of your money and market it to the black audience. Ding, so, ding, 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 ding. No, but, we wear but, makeup. We spend money. We influence you, culture. Like you don't. So you don't wear makeup. And, you know, if you ask anyone and I could go from, you know, from Oprah to Deborah Roberts, they all wore these foundations. And Oprah said to me on her show, how does a, a little Jewish girl know how to make colors for our skin? <laughs> and when Oprah said I wear six, seven and eight, we sold out in, in the entire country. People were buying these colors and they didn't even have her skin color. But they, mm. if Oprah wanted it, you know, so I, I knew I know that. And when Fenty came out and had 40 shades, I don't know if you need 40 shades, but good. It was amazing. And, you know, she wasn't the first, but everybody people are following now. And I think, you know, a lot of it with makeup, it's you might think you have colors for women of color. But when you put it on the face, it looks ashy, like you've got some, you know, some some kind of pink thing on your face. So it's really important to me that when you put makeup on, I don't care if you're Italian, I don't care if you're Asian, I don't care if you're black. It's got to just look like you have something covered up, but you're not wearing makeup. So that's important oh, to me. I'm glad you went there because I've heard men get flack for saying things like, I want a girl with no makeup, but natural beauty is mainly because we don't realize a lot of the time that they're actually wearing makeup, but you can't tell that they're wearing it. So can right. you describe the concept of the no makeup makeup look? Yes. No makeup makeup is that your skin looks even. It looks healthy. You've got redness gone from around your nose or where you have it. Your uneven skin is even. You look like basically, you know, a teenage supermodel. And honestly, you have makeup on. But when you are looking up close, you don't see it. When you put a blush on, it's the color of your cheeks when you exercise. When, you know, you, of course, you're going to wear black mascara because that makes your eyes pop out. And by the way, I have a lot of man, you know, men friends that are on TV and they wear the makeup because they don't want to look tired. Mm. So do you wear makeup when you're on TV? Yes, ma'am. And I'm glad you yeah. went there because... I work seven days a week. I'm affiliated with three shows on ESPN. I'm affiliated with writing a column and doing a podcast with the New York Post. And I don't want to look tired. And so thank you very much for the package that you guys sent me. 
because I've been on the road and I got home and realized you sent me a package ah. and I will be wearing it. Yeah, well, I'll have to make sure the pencils work, but they do when you have the right color. Honestly, it's magic. And my friend who's a commissioner of one of the major sports leagues takes it with him and hands it to the makeup artist, you know, on the TV station there and fixes it. But, you know, we haven't even talked about, you know, my love of basketball. Let's and talk about it. Outside okay. of Chicago, are you a Bulls fan? Of course. My dad was best friends with Michael's, you know, manager or Johnny Bach, his whatever. So, yes, very big Chicago Bulls, very big Michael Jordan fan. How do you not? Um, favorite Johnny Bach, favorite Michael Jordan story. You know, I played post-Jordan and we didn't win six championships uh, and I didn't get a uh, statue. So yeah. what are some of your favorite memories? Well, my favorite memories were when, when my husband and I sold Bobby Brown Cosmetics. We said, all right, what do we want to buy? We, we had a nice house. We had a nice car. We bought floor seats to the Nets in, in New, when they were in New Jersey. So I became friends with Jason Kidd and Jason Williams and all those guys. You know, you're on the floor. You meet yes. everyone. And when Michael Jordan came, I think it was um, Derek Coleman's wife, Gina, said, mm -hmm. you want to meet him? And, you know, I'm going to get you a basketball signed. You know, I didn't get to meet him. He was a little busy, but I did get the basketball <laughs> He's kind of Michael Jordan. Yeah, he's Michael Jordan, but I do see him in a in a place I go to in the Bahamas, and you know I'm always I'm starstruck. I've only been starstruck twice to him and once to George Clooney. Otherwise, I go up to anyone. I actually went up to Yao Ming in an elevator, and that was not easy outside mm, an elevator. You know, he's seven foot six, and I'm five foot zero, and my head was up. I'm not sure who even heard me, but I did get my picture. I have. I will send you my picture with him. It's the funniest thing you've ever seen. Please send it. I'll use it for yeah. the podcast and or the column. Okay. Also, since you have front row seats in particular, I have to ask you, best game, performance, or situation that you saw up front at an NBA game? Well, the the Nets play when they were in the playoffs. I think, you know, in, in New Jersey, they were there. They were in it once, you know, so that was like a really big deal. But our, we had a table on the floor and in front of us, you know, you'd have Beyonce and Jay-Z and, you know, yes, I was watching the game. I'm the mother of three boys and two nephews. So I'm surrounded by this. I even have my, our, our family name on a wall at Emerson in the gym. So the urban myth is Bobby Brown played basketball at Emerson, which I think is really funny. <laughs> they probably don't, you know, the kids don't know who I am, but uh, they think I was a basketball player there. Just tell them don't be cruel or yeah, don't this be is my cruel. prerogative. So exactly. tell me about all of the puns yeah. and or the name recognition and the cross branding, good, bad, right. or indifferent, yeah. being associated with the former yeah. member of New Edition, right. same name. Right. Well, I got to meet Bobby Brown years ago when I was hired to do Whitney's makeup. And basically he just said to me, you know, nice name. And I said, yeah, you too. And that was, that was the only, <laughs> only connection with him. That was a long time ago, but I was once in Chicago outside of the Four Seasons Hotel waiting for my car to pick me up to go live on Oprah. And I'm, I'm, I kept calling, they're not here, they're not here. And I would go, to the, I'd go over to the limousines and they'd look at me and like shoo me away. And finally I called someone back in my office and they called and they said, he's there. Some guy was looking for the other Bobby Brown. He kept shooting <laughs> me away. I literally almost like missed my, you know, on stage with Oprah moment. <laughs> and that's what makes that, sh that story crazy because they mistake you for him 
and were about to not give you a ride, but yet one of y'all was going to be on Oprah. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, what? it's worked well, and people still say, Bobby Brown, you know, I, the, I don't own my name for the company, but it's still who I am. It's still my name. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. I bet it can be, but also. My dad's name is James Brown. Is it? Yeah. So you got to tell me some stories about you guys traveling, getting in and out of hotels, something yeah. with, with these legendary names. You know, it's really funny. My dad, when he was an attorney, he had a big giant James Brown poster behind his desk. You know, my dad was is always like a totally cool guy. And so every time is, you know, the clients come in, they're like, hey, and my dad always says the same thing. I feel good. <laughs> like, that's his <laughs> thing. He said, <laughs> he said it at my wedding. I, he said it on the Today Show to Al Roker. You know, he's a really funny guy. So no, we 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 have it, we have it down, but we have our song and dance. For sure. That is awesome. But yeah. also, I, I want to make sure I get this in there, because in addition to your new makeup, makeup line, Jones Road, you also launched a health and wellness brand called Evolution 18, as I mentioned earlier, that mirrors your commitment to holistic living. What is the biggest difference between what you did with Bobby Brown Cosmetics and your mission with Jones Road? Well, my biggest difference is that um, Jones Road is a clean brand. You know, my when I left the company, I went back to school and got my degree as a health coach because I, I know the better you feel, the better you look. And that's mm -hmm. what I want to teach people. It's everything. Mm -hmm. It's stress reduction. It's happiness. It's having a life. It's balance. I'm sure you don't have it. You know? <laughs> no, I, I'm yeah. working on it. Okay. I'm working. That's my therapy. Yeah. That's my therapy. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm good at that. I, I have figured that out. I've raised three kids and married 32 years. Awesome. And I'm still a great entrepreneur. So, you know, I got mm -hmm. I got secrets for that. But but it's hard. You know, it's hard. It's life. No one. Nothing is easy. Nothing is easy. But if I am hydrated, I'm eating well, I get some sleep. You know what? I'm I could do more work. I could like the kids in my office are like, how do you do all that? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm 64 years old. Like, I'm not a kid. 64 what? years old? Yeah, and I haven't shot anything in my face. Hey, husband and kids. Yeah. I'm just complimenting her. <laughs> I did not realize. So you look amazing. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I got to stop saying that. But, you know, I, you know, so many people are, are embarrassed of where they came from. They're embarrassed of, you know, what they look like, their age. It's like mm -hmm. people got to stop feeling bad about who they are and own it and just be like, it's okay. Just become a better version of Correct. whatever you are. Correct. So, Is that what inspired your interest in holistic living? It Very much so. You know, I'm someone that I'm a foodie. I love really good restaurants. I, I, I love a good martini. I check, check. Yeah. You know, I, I can't help it. I eat some French fries when I drink a martini. So mm -hmm. I've learned that being a health coach, I can have one Tito's on the rocks with <laughs> cucumber and lemon and I won't eat the fries. If mm -hmm. I have two, I will eat the fries. So I make a conscious decision. Am I going to eat the fries? And on a Saturday night, I will if the fries are worth it. Mm -hmm. You just inspired me as somebody that loves fries, somebody that now needs to add cucumber to his lemon with his beverage. <laughs> Oh, no, it's so good because when I'm done drinking, I feel hydrated. Mm -hmm. I feel I'm not alkaline. Mm -hmm. So it's like there's one here that I have. It's it's cucumber juice. 
It is fresh lemon juice and it's mint and, and a shot of Tito's and you drink it. And I rarely have a second one, you know, cause Tito's goes down really quickly. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. Well, you just inspired me ah. and helped me on my health kick because <laughs> I've decided if I'm going to do certain things, as you just acknowledged, at least try to do the holistic version of it. Yeah. Because, and I'm not, and I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying like, I'm not one of those people. You can't eat toast. You can't eat this. You can't have moderation. Best, yeah. Moderation and the best version of it. Have really good sourdough bread. Don't eat wonder bread. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Don't eat the bad roll that comes on something, you know, just make it worth it. And, and honestly, and just, this is, I'm working on this. I'm not perfect. I'm working <laughs> on the meditation. I got five minutes yesterday and five minutes. I got six minutes today just to take it all down a notch, not to do yes. it, but you know, so my adrenaline and cortisol is a little calm. I, I have to ask you about that. And again, I really am grateful that you joined the show. Thank you for your support of the show. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of yours. That's why I wanted to get you on the show, but I had to ask you something about you just something you just alluded to. Cause I've taught myself to do this, to unwind at certain points of the day where I'm not staring at my computer, I'm not staring at the television, I'm not staring at myself when I'm not listening to music. Can you describe that space, how you get there and how important it is for people to exercise that? Well, you could do it right now. And everyone that's listening, I don't care what you're doing, just stop. You don't just stop even, just take a breath like this. Just go in your nose, blow it out. Do it one time, one time. Tell me if you felt that. Well, amazing. Right. And, and that was one second, like in the middle of meetings, sometimes I would tell everyone, just stop one second. Mm. And you don't even have to blow it out of your mouth. You do it out of your nose. So no one knows you're doing it. And it just brings everything down a notch. And it also, when you're in business meetings and you want to just tell people that they're doing a terrible job or they're stupid or whatever <laughs> that you can't say, you just pull yourself back and then you think about how to say the same thing and not just like, <clears throat> I've learned that, you know, being in corporate America, I, I had tricks to learn. So. Yes. Patience and yes. tact, no doubt about it. And as you know, being a supporter and I'm very gracious that you are, I'm also going to write a column about this amazing interview and podcast as well. But before I let you get out of here, yeah. It's only right Yeah, we do my rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? I am ready. Let's get it. Name one fellow professional makeup artist in the game that you're inspired by. Mary Phillips. Mm, very nice. Name one celebrity client who's the biggest joy for you to work with. Mm, I would say Padma. Name one makeup trend that you hope as a legend, as an entrepreneur, you hope never comes back. Well, it's here, so I'm gonna have to get rid of it. And that's contouring, because that's telling people there's something wrong with their face. I like what you did there. I like what you did there. It's almost when people do a social post now, so many filters on top of filters, on top of filters you never truly get a chance to enjoy who the human being is, right? No, good light is great. Good light is important to us, but you know, be real. Okay, and last but certainly not least, 
and you're 64 years old, I need to be using what you're using on your face for real. Uh -huh. I cannot lie. I grew up with bad skin and I'm working on it. If you had to launch a product line outside of beauty and wellness, what would you sell? Oh my God, there's so many things that I'm interested in. I would say shoes, because I think that I could make shoes really comfortable for women. Bonus question, because I think you were about to go there. Did you have any recommendations for my skin when I told you that it was it used to be bad? Were you no, about to give me recommendations? Good, no, but I got to tell you how good your skin looks. No, but thank you. Any any skin issue is not about what you're putting on your face. There's no miracle cream on the market. There's no cleanser. Mm. There's no anything. It's what you're putting in your body that makes the difference of your skin. It's your lifestyle and it's what you're putting in your body. And that's it. And if Damn. you have lines in your face, guess what? There's nothing wrong with that. You just gotta make the lines look good. Mm -hmm. So that is terrific advice. I'm forever grateful that you support and join the program. I'm supportive of yours. I appreciate the package that you sent me. I will be reaching out and begging for more really soon. Yeah, excellent. Much. And I would love to meet you in person so we could take our tall and short photos. I got them with all my players. <laughs> Michael, Michael Strand, I got them with all the guys. <laughs> done, done, and done. Good. It will be my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Last call. Last, Last call. call. I'd like to thank Bobby Brown for stopping by the podcast. Although we covered a lot of ground in our interview, one of my favorite things that she talked about was her family. She talked about her dad, her uncle, her three boys with so much pride, so much love. She even talked about supporting this very program. And I am very gracious to have you listen, Bobby Brown, each Thursday and check out the column. And the more I thought about it, as it related to family, we were very alike in that way. I'm always bringing up my late mother and grandmother and uncle. And even though I didn't have a relationship with my biological father, I'll bring him up too. Why? I'm proud of my family and I'm proud of where I come from. No matter how high you climb, where your talents get showcased, don't forget to bring your family with you wherever you go. Whether they're your blood family or your chosen family, the people who help build and support you are essential to staying grounded and also keeping yourself accountable. Family is forever. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.